Because the arts enrich, transform, unite, and strengthen us through shared understanding and expression. Because the arts are magical and powerful, they increase compassion and understanding to make change, stimulate imagination, and nourish happiness. Because, because art has, has the power to change the world. Today on Because Radio, the 2019 National Trust Conference brings heritage professionals and volunteers together around the preservation of historic places. Marsha Cowan, Strategic Development Specialist at the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba, reflects on supporting the community through volunteering and her work in the philanthropic sector. This week's Winnipeg Impact Maker Fourth Line Pub and Grill is raising funds in support of the Ab McDonald Foundation. And we'll have highlights from this week's Because and Effect with Claire Mackay, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and Executive Director of the Forks Foundation. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio, episode number 28. My name is Robert Zirk. My co-host Sonny Primolo is away. Uh, He's feeling a little bit under the weather today, so Sonny, we hope you feel better soon. Last week was our very first uh, live show, which we did in conjunction with uh, CJNU's Pledge Weekend, and we just want to take a moment to congratulate our friends at CJNU on a successful Pledge Weekend, and you can always still support CJNU. Uh, More details are on their website at cjnu.ca. So thank you to everyone who showed their support to uh, CJNU last weekend for the Pledge Weekend. We've got a great show lined up for you today. To start things off, today's foundation feature focuses on arts, culture, and heritage. Recently, a national conference brought more than 450 people to Winnipeg to discuss the preservation and protection of historic places in Canada. Producer Jeremy Morantz spoke with Natalie Bull, the Executive Director of the National Trust of Canada, to learn a little bit more about this year's National Trust Conference. This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on arts, culture, and heritage. I'm Jeremy Rance. You're listening to Because Radio. I'm here right now with Natalie Bold, the executive director of National Trust. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. So we are here uh, currently right now um, at the National Trust Conference, which is happening at the Fairmont Hotel. Um, The event took place. Uh, between October 17th and 19th. Uh, This is airing after the fact, but it's still a good thing to talk about. So Natalie, you're here. Tell us what the conference is. We're right in the middle of this amazing national conference. Uh, every year we bring together between four and 500 people from across Canada who care about places that matter. Uh, and we're excited to be in Winnipeg because it's such a great living laboratory of, of approaches to reusing and repurposing older buildings. And that's really what we're about. Uh, so we're, we have sessions here that are for uh, local volunteers who run historic sites, places like Dalnavert here in Winnipeg, Uh, We have sessions that are geared to heritage planners, people who work in municipalities and make decisions about how our our cities will evolve. 
uh, and we have elected officials, people who make decisions about where funding goes for heritage. Um, we are working hard to make our event as inclusive and diverse as possible. So we've got, uh, we had a great pre-conference session called Mamakwendan Gathering that brought together residential school survivors and leaders of organizations that are working with Indigenous communities to help them uh, preserve the memory of that tragic uh, period in our history and um, look at how those um, residential schools, how those former residential schools could be used as sites of conscience to help uh, all Canadians remember remember what happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again. I'd like to uh, get more into into the details and the minutia of, uh, of exactly what you just touched on, what's going on here at the event. But first, uh, tell us what the National Trust organization is, of course. Uh, there's a, it's, a, it's a conference, but it's also an organization. So what's your MO? We're a national charity. Uh, and we work with Canadians. We offer tools. We empower people to save places that matter to them. So we do it through education. The conference is a big piece of that. But but because it's such a big country, we also offer webinars to connect with people remotely. We have a program called Launchpad that our donors fund, and it allows us to connect local groups that are struggling to save a historic place or keep a historic house museum open to the public. Uh, we connect those people with experts in fundraising and business planning to make them as smart and effective as they can be in keeping those places going. Tell our listeners why uh, heritage and preserving historic buildings is an important piece to our cultural makeup in Canada. Historic places are really the foundation for sustainable and vibrant communities. They're, they're the, the backdrop to our lives. Uh, they, cre they create quality of life. We know that people flock to places like the Exchange District. We feel comfortable in those kinds of places, and they can often be uh, a great uh, source of affordable housing and uh, l you know lower-cost accommodation for, for startup businesses. Uh, People like Jane Jacobs, great thinkers like her, um, have, have always recognized the value of these older buildings that are such an important part of the fabric of our communities. There's a lot of uh, diff different elements uh, going on within the conference. As you mentioned, there's the, the indigenous element and that that's an important aspect of heritage. But there's also uh, talk of environmental impact, economic impact and design. Can you maybe touch on those elements of the conference as well? Sure. Well, we know that historic buildings, that, that existing buildings are uh, an, an important element of our greenhouse gas production and that using those buildings wisely uh, and, and slowing down the construction and demolition, um, building new buildings, that, that we have to stop doing that. We've got to, to make the best use of the buildings that we already have. So that is one important message throughout the conference. And we've got people like Mark Gorgolowski here from Ryerson University in Toronto, whose expertise is in the, the impact of waste. Uh, from construction and demolition, and he's starting to identify um, the importance of us doing a better job of just re reusing the places that we have. So that's part of the sustainability theme. Um, economic vitality, um, again, we, we know that people are attracted to historic districts, and they're part of a tourism strategy. They attract the, <clears throat> the creative classes, so smart communities are uh, doing things that are are preserving those places and and uh, making sure that they are um, competitive with with other communities when it's when it's about attracting new businesses. 
What are some takeaways that you hope attendees get out of the National Trust Conference here in Winnipeg? I think the the most valuable thing people get from this conference is uh, really hope and inspiration. Hearing about success stories um, in other places like their own, um, we we know that uh, we're losing historic places and it's it's challenging and we have a lot of work to do. But we also focus on bringing lots of great success stories to the attention of our delegates, uh, great things that are happening across the country. We have an awards program. Uh, our awards will be offered here. Uh, as an example, the town of Maple Creek, Saskatchewan, a tiny place with 2,500, um, uh, a population of 2,500, uh, they, they have demonstrated through the way that they uh, engage communities, including the local First Nations community in celebrating living heritage and, and making historic places and historic traditions part of the way they do business in Maple Creek. And they're, they're seeing the benefits of that approach. Lastly, I'll get you to give our listeners all the details. If, uh, if they're curious about learning more about your organization and the conference, uh, where can they go? There's a web, if there's a website, uh, if there's social media, tell us about it. There's lots of uh, places you can find us online. Our website is nationaltrustcanada.ca. And the conference website, if you're interested in hearing about next year's conference in Edmonton, is nationaltrustconference.ca. And we're very active on Twitter. Uh, our handle is nationaltrustca. Natalie Bull, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time in Winnipeg. We're, we're really excited to be in Winnipeg. It's a fabulous city. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. Coming up next, the Manitoba Philanthropy Awards are taking place on November 15th to honor the contributions that Manitobans have made to advancing philanthropy in our province. And in the lead up to the event, we're pleased to bring you interviews with each of the award recipients. This week, I'll be speaking with Marsha Cowan, Strategic Development Specialist at the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba. Marsha will be receiving the Outstanding Professional Fundraiser Award in recognition of her community support through volunteering and her career in the philanthropic sector. It was wonderful to speak with Marsha about philanthropy and what motivates her to give back. So we'll have my interview with Marsha Cowan up next here on Because Radio. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined in studio by Marsha Cowan. She is the Strategic Development Specialist at the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba, and she's also the recipient of the Outstanding Professional Fundraiser Award at this year's Manitoba Philanthropy Awards that's taking place on Friday, November 15th. Marsha, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Give us a quick introduction to yourself and some of the organizations that you've worked with over your career. Well, I grew up in Winnipeg's North End. I went to St. John's High School. I went to the University of Manitoba. I taught junior high school at River Heights Junior High. In my 20s, I became involved in more charitable work. Jewish Child and Family was one. I became very interested in how these things happened and what they cost. And somehow or other, the fundraising component of it was always 
there. It was it was uppermost in my mind. I did um, work on the Agency Relations Board of the United Way, which really opened my mind to community and all the things out there, because I guess we all live in our own little world, in our own ways, but once you expose yourself to what's going on outside of your own little enclave, uh, it's really inspiring to try to make a difference. So that was one example, I was on the University of Winnipeg Board of Regents. I did volunteer work for the Winnipeg Jewish community, the what is now known as the Federation, raising money locally uh, as well as for overseas. I also spent a good amount of time on the Balmoral Hall School Board, which was an exceptional experience being involved in that kind of education. So looking back on your career, working with so many different organizations and and a diverse range of organizations as well, what would you say is one of the most important things that you learned from being involved with these organizations? Well, as I were, and these were all volunteer positions that I, I mentioned, And then, late 80s, early 90s, can't remember the date to be honest, I was invited to sit on the board of the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba. And that was my first introduction to endowments. I think that that inspired me to such a great degree that, well, I'm still there today. So um, it tells you something because it's almost 30 years ago. And the concept of putting money away for the future and building for the future all part of where this feeling started, how to plan for the future, was probably what set me on this path. I was eventually president of that board, and then a number of years later, the CEO position opened up and I applied for it, and I'm still there. What inspired you to want to give back to the community so early on in your life? You know, I feel that I was very privileged as a child to grow up in Winnipeg, I believe that I was offered, and I, the young people that I knew at the time, were offered really uh, an incredible opportunity to experience, to have so many opportunities, camping, uh, summer programs, winter programs, all the things that children do. And of course, we take them for granted when we're children. But early on uh, in my adult life, it came to me that somebody, many people, obviously, somehow or other thought it was important enough to provide this infrastructure for children. And I suspect that these people, these adults who were one or two generations older than me, had no idea who I would be. They were just doing it for the greater good and for generations that would follow. And it so inspired me to look into it further. And how did it happen? And what did it cost? That's one of the things I used to think about. And so that was kind of the genesis of all of this. It's like people having the foresight to make the community better for and cultivate a new generation of leaders who will eventually take up that same cause. And I believe that that's our role now. And that is why I do what I do. And it is for the generations, the yet unborn generations, who I may never know and likely won't. But I would like to think that we give them, at the very least, the same opportunities. You served as CEO of the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba from 2005 to, I believe, the end of 2017? That's correct. Looking back on your time with the foundation, what are some of the highlights from your time there that really stand out to you? The growth of the foundation was very significant. The ability to inspire people to make a difference 
because that is how we grow, was probably the most exciting part of it. Having projects that were happening in our city, in our community, uh, in the province of Manitoba, where we would give donors an opportunity to support specific things, things that they, uh, we thought would be attractive to them. And that match uh, really meant a lot. And uh, to this day, uh, it's very exciting to be able to put together a donor and a project. It's really special. It's got to be really rewarding to be able, you know, as you as you mentioned, to kind of match that need to someone who feels really strongly about that cause. One hundred percent. We we our our entire staff feel that way and aspire to that every day. Now you also played an instrumental role in establishing the Women's Endowment Fund with the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba, and I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more to how the fund got started and the kind of impact that it's had on the community. I'd be happy to, um, because the Women's Endowment Fund is very unique. There are not very many Women's Endowment Funds. There is a Canadian one, but many cities do not have something like this. I was fortunate in that I was at a conference and I heard a woman speak about women taking control of their philanthropy. Now, keeping in mind that this was late 80s, early 90s, there were significant numbers of women who really had no involvement in philanthropic decisions at home. And this woman was so inspiring that when I left, a couple of the other attendees and myself started to talk about this and said, wouldn't this be incredible if we got out there and we inspired women to become philanthropic in their own right and make their own decisions? And so we started to look into it. We weren't an organization. We weren't anything. We just got together and talked and talked and talked until we decided that we were going to try to raise money. Keeping in mind, this coincided with my beginnings of being on the board of the Jewish Foundation. And so I said, well, why don't we go there? Why don't we take our money and put it into an endowment and start building an endowment? And one thing led to another. And of course, it took a long time, I think about a year and a half. But eventually, the Women's Endowment Fund was formed as part of uh, the Jewish Foundation. And we launched it. I will tell you, we worried about where we would get our first $5,000, and that's how much you needed to start a fund. And we ended up opening our fund with $20,000, so we were very proud of ourselves. I was actually getting phone calls at home from people that I barely knew saying, I hear you're starting something special for women. And uh, today, I'm proud to tell you the fund has $1.7 million in it. That's amazing. And it really speaks to that idea of we can be stronger if we work together. Absolutely. This was a case of promoting women's philanthropy. And then what are you as a collective going to do with that endowment that you're building? And so we set parameters and goals. And I mean, this was over a very long stretch of time. But um, now grant applications are received at the foundation during their regular granting process online. It's all become much more sophisticated than it was then. And we have given out well over $600,000 in grants to all sorts of groups in the city um, supporting women's issues, supporting 
women and children, helping newcomers to Canada uh, with all sorts of amazing uh, projects that give them opportunity to, to settle in, to have to get good jobs, to raise their families here. That's one of the things that we focus on significantly. You've worked with so many different donors and seen a lot of different trends in the charitable sector. And I'm wondering if you can speak to how philanthropy has changed over time in in your view and where you see the future of philanthropy going. I think it's complicated. There was a time where the word charity was probably enough long before we had all this sophistication and somebody gave to charity and they trusted that it was going where it needed to go. And I don't think that that exists anymore. I think that the uh, community out there who are philanthropic want to know, they want to have a say, they want to have a greater say as time goes by in what happens. They might even want to be creative in their own right in making some changes in our society. And so we all have to move with that and we have to be prepared and able to handle this this requirement. I think we're all trying. I do believe that. I don't know if we're there yet, but I do think that we're trying. It's uh, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, matching the donor to the project, the project to the donor. There was a time that one would have looked at you and wondered what you were talking about because they gave to the guy who came to the door with the little box, right? And But it's different now. And we also have, of course, all the technology and the internet. And people have to think about what is important to them, what resonates with them. And I will say this. We believe that our goal is to help our donors fulfill their philanthropic dreams. So we're saying to the donor, what's important to you? And we're going to work with them to help them. Sometimes if they're not sure which direction to go, we'll help them get there so that their philanthropy really is fulfilling for them. And that's a big change. That in itself is a big change. Having been involved in the charitable and philanthropic sector for so long, uh, I'm wondering if you have any advice to pass along to young leaders who want to make an impact in the community. Well, I can tell them that this was the best career anyone could have ever had. <laughs> so um, it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal and, and very, very special. I hope that young people whose lives are different in many ways than mine was, I, I hope that they will take the time to think of philanthropy because our world has changed and families have a much different dynamic and everybody's going in different directions and two-career households are absolute, not just something that happened once in a while. And so I would ask people, I would ask them to stop and I hope Uh, that we'll all do that is give young people a chance to stop and think about what it is that would resonate with them to make the world a better place. Just take the time in your life. On November 15th, you'll be receiving the Outstanding Professional Fundraiser Award at the Manitoba Philanthropy Awards. Congratulations on that. Thank you. How did you feel when you heard about uh, about receiving that recognition? Well, I have to tell you, I have been to the last 15 luncheons (laughs) never sat there imagining that I would get this award so that speaks to 
the overwhelm, I feel incredibly honored. I certainly, I love my work, but I certainly didn't aspire to this award. And so I don't think that anything could be more meaningful. That's really a tremendous way to, um, I don't want to say end a career because I'm still there, but you know, to make change. <laughs> Let's leave it at that, right? Congratulations again, and uh, and thank you so much for taking the time to to speak with me today. And thank you again. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm I'm was just delighted. Thank you. Up next on Because Radio, my co-host Sunny Primolo has been highlighting impact makers in our community as part of our Winnipeg Impact Makers segment. This week's Winnipeg Impact Maker Fourth Line Pub and Grill is raising funds in support of the Ab McDonald Foundation. Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sunny Pomolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Willie Plouffe, one of the partners for Fourth Line Pub and Grill, located on Ness Avenue here in Winnipeg. Thanks for joining us on Because Radio. Well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, on the show. I, we really appreciate that. We're very excited to be here and talk with you. To get started, tell us a little bit of the history behind Fourth Line and why you think it's important to give back to the community. What was your because? Well, the history of the Fourth Line Pub and Grill came from uh, the Fourth Line Hockey Show. We started doing our show and we started talking about hockey guys where we've been going out before and, you know, we want to start our own pub. So we started off with a group of individuals and we came down to three or four of us and now we have uh, Landon Tauber shot from Sturgeon Construction, number one foundation dudes around there, great guys. We played hockey together and we came up with a concept and working together, we put a plan in and put the Fourth Line Pub and Grill here in uh, 3025 St. James. We really enjoy, you know, being part of the community and working really hard with, you know, our friends and family and anyone that's been involved, like um, the Friesens and everybody. You do quite a bit here at Fourth Line, so can you give us an idea of the types of events that you hold here? You know, we our schedule is very, very busy. We have a unique fellow by the name of Timmy. He's one of our top dogs and uh, top shelf character and taking care of our social media. We do everything from karaoke twice a week. This Thursday, starting in October, we have open mic. You can come down with a band. You can come down with a couple individuals and do like comedy acts. We have a lot of things going on. We have live bands. We have the bomber bus, we have the jet bus. We're pretty busy here throughout the week. Um, we're open to all kinds of functions. We're also open to our back room being fundraisers for other community teams and raising money for their squads. So quite a bunch of things here, of course. Uh, one of those things that you do is you recently hosted your fourth annual golf tournament fundraiser in support of the Ab McDonald Foundation. How much did you raise and can you give us a few details about the event? Yeah, you know, we've done uh, two things for the Abby McDonald Foundation. And the reason why we we working with the Ab Foundation is um, Abby and Patty were our neighbors of Lenny and um, Britta were shot. They're neighbors and they're very good friends, family friends also. So we've always supported Ab and Ab's always supported us guys. Great man, great person. Was one top shelf uh, ambassadors for the game of hockey in the NHL and in Winnipeg. So we've had several functions. You know, our golf tournament is number one. And also we hold a hockey tournament function with for Abby. We've raised over $12,000 for the foundation in one year working at. It's been a lot of volunteer work, a lot of good people. It's what Ab would want where it's, you know, more of a fun hockey tournament, a fun golf tournament where everyone mingles, shares stories about Ab. All the money raised goes towards Abby. 
the Ab Foundation, and um, we're very excited to be part of that program. How can people also get involved in one of these tournaments? Yeah, you know, you can go to our website, which is uh, Fourth Line Pub and Grill, www.fourthlinepubandgrill. You can also uh, check out our Instagram account, our Twitter account. It's pretty good. Everything's on there. And what we did for the tournament, you know, obviously you have a hockey tournament. We put in, all the money goes in towards there, pays for rest, pays for everything. And then you get a a pretty good, decent here. We have an auction. Uh, Money is raised through auction, silent auction, and also 50-50. And if they're, it's almost exactly with the golf tournament where we have a lot of things donated by a lot of um, great companies like Pratt's, for example, that donate the whole lunch. Abby's favorite lunch was a Reuben and a pickle and fries. All that money raised for that is donated to the foundation through through us guys, then to Pratt's, which is really good. And for the golf tournament, you know, money is raised throughout the event where we get a really good deal from Cinnamon Golf Course where they help us back that way. The money raised here through the auctions, through the prizes, all goes to the McDonald Foundation and plus some of the money that's tuition to get in. What do you hope your help does for the foundation itself? You know, when we found about the Adam McDonald Foundation with the Westwood kids and all the kids, is, you know, sports is a very expensive program and no one you know, should be left out. And we really um, like being part of that. Uh, the Rashots, the Ploofs, the Friesens, everybody. We like working w- with groups like that because we all have kids in hockey, in sports, and we understand the cost of it. And we really um, enjoy being able to help individuals play sports. And if we can contribute you know what, if it's $10, if it's $1,000 or whatever it is, we really enjoy being part of that. And we, we it wasn't hard hard sell to us guys for the Ab McDonald Foundation on what Abby did and how he helped the community and how we can give back as our group at the Fourth Line Pub and Grill, really taking care of people in need of, you know, having that opportunity that we all had. And we want that for everybody. So for those looking for more information about Fourth Line Pub and Grill, uh, where can they go and how can they learn more about you? Yeah, that's a great, you know, we, you know we're you know we at 3025 Ness, uh, right behind the 7-Eleven. We, um, you can go to our website, you know, Fourth Line Pub and Grill. You can look at our Instagram account. Our Facebook uh, account is pretty massive. We have tons of giveaways. You can go online and you can, you know, you can draw, refer us. You have prizes of jet games, bomber games. You can go on Twitter. We have every, we have every uh, social media angle covered. Uh, Timmy does a really good job with that, and uh, kudos to him. And to the people here, you know, word of mouth, you know, St. James is starting to hear about the Fourth Line Pub and Grill. And every night is a lot of fun. Our back room, we have we have over 15 TVs in here. We have tons of uh, specials for everything from, and we're not just open to the uh, adults. We also, the back room is open for kids also. So you can bring your hockey team down here, young kids. Check us out on, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, our email, our social media, everywhere you want to check us out. Absolutely. And, you know, your love for the community truly shows. Speaking of the community, if you can answer one thing, what is one thing that you love about Winnipeg? You know, we've had an opportunity myself and uh, Rashad's not to travel from sports and all that. And uh, Winnipeg is our home. And what we love about Winnipeg is the community, how everyone gives. And, you know, part of Winnipeg is seeing someone help someone in a need at tough times. And we've been all part of that. And seeing when you know, people step up for the Jets, for the Bombers, for any amateur sports, getting involved and being part of it. Like, you know, the volunteers in Winnipeg is, it's huge. You can just, you know, they just had the Winnipeg Harvest had their anniversary. It's massive on the things that we've done in Manitoba and in Winnipeg. And that makes it very exciting. Of course, we're hockey people. You know, skating outdoors at minus 40 with the wind blowing in your face and here in the ice, racking one off the top shelf. It's, you know, where else would you rather be? 
Absolutely. Again, make sure you stop by the Fourth Line Pub for some amazing food. And um, make sure you check out one of the many events that they hold here down at uh, 3025 Ness Avenue and bring your appetite. So thanks to Willie and the entire Fourth Line team for doing what they do and for sharing their story of impact. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, message us on social media by searching the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN or reach out and call us at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sonny Pomolo, and you're listening to Because Radio. Thanks, Sonny. Up next, Because and Effect host Nolan Bicknell will be joining us momentarily to share some highlights from his most recent conversation with Claire Mackay, the Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and Executive Director of the Forks Foundation. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and joining us now is the host of the Winnipeg Foundation's podcast, Because and Effect, Nolan Bicknell. Nolan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's good to be back, Rob. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing well, doing great. It's good to be back on Because Radio again. So we have you on the show every week to talk about the Because and Effect podcast, where you talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. So who is your guest on the podcast this week? Well, this week uh, I spoke with Claire Mackay. She is the VP of Strategic Initiatives at the Forks and also the Executive Director of the Forks Foundation. She was an awesome conversation, really nice, really got me pumped up uh, to go down to the Forks again, you know, especially for now that winter's coming up and go down to the skating trail. So there's so much to do and see down there so it was a really good really good chat so it sounds like a great conversation um what are some of the things that she had to say about the forks well we talked a lot about the forks and the north portage partnership and uh, how it's evolved over the years we talked about what people can expect from the area kind of moving forward there's going to be some residential spots in there which i found pretty interesting that where people will actually live at the forks which is really cool Uh, we talked about just kind of the importance of public spaces and and how important it is to have these public spots for people to meet and and visit and i thought it was cool hearing claire's insights when it came to just the direction that the forks is going within the context of sort of where they've been as an organization uh, historically Our history is incredibly important to us. Without that history, um, there's no real heart to what we are and what we do. So it's the the history of Indigenous people meeting there. It's trade. uh, It's immigrants. It's settlers. um, It's... um, it's the rail era as well, the fur trade era, and it's also now. Um, it's it's not static. It's something that continues to shape. Uh, we we honor our, our heritage, but we also look to the future. The Forks is widely considered to be one of the most beautiful and successful destinations that Winnipeg has to offer, and I'd imagine Claire is a big part of that. Absolutely, yeah. I asked her sort of how the Forks was able to achieve what they have over the last couple decades. Claire's worked there, I think, over. F- 15 years and it I mean even 15 years ago it it was a relatively unknown tourist spot but right right now it's a real international destination we do get a lot of phone calls how do you do what you do Mm -hmm. at the forks generally the first thing I say is we we say yes Um, because often people will find reasons to say no and like I said we set the stage we provide uh, an amazing river trail which you know costs uh, costs money and time and effort but then when we, we place that, people join in on our energy and come up with ideas that we could never dream of. Uh, and we're able to say yes. 
there's so much to do and see at the Forks, and it seems like there's more and more to do and see as time goes by. Um, did you happen to talk about all of the variety <laughs> of activities and things that are there to do? Well, the conversation was only about 40 minutes long, so it, we didn't get to everything that they have uh, available, but I really liked hearing uh, Claire talk about the public art. There's a lot of Indigenous public art that's gone up in the last uh, couple of years, and there's more to come. Uh, she talked about the walkable spaces and the new even gardens and fruit trees that are there as well. Public art's important. Um, it creates conversations. It um, exposes people to different ideas. It um, it can, can give you pride of place. It's all part of that bigger placemaking and walkable cities and having the ability to um, to bring people to the site for a variety of different reasons. Everyone comes to the Forks in particular uh, for different reasons. Some may come for a really great walk. And so we have beautiful gardens. Uh, we have an orchard, a public orchard, where you can actually walk up and pick um, That's relatively apples new, and isn't pears. It? Yeah. It's actually been there for about three years, okay, but it's I, I really... I only saw a tweet like last week. And it's like, just what? starting to bear fruit. So okay, the trees gotcha. themselves have uh, finally matured enough where they're starting to bear fruit. But I have tomatoes ripening on my uh, desk window right now. That I, that I picked from in front of uh, the Inn at the Forks because, mm. and there's, you know, there's rhubarb there and I see little kids out picking it because it's next to the playground. Um, so it's just, it's, it's creating, um, it's, it's creating space. Mm. It's, it's giving people a reason to enjoy their city, to be outside in it, um, to, to connect with each other. So Winnipeg itself has grown and evolved just as we've seen the Forks do over the years. Um, what were Claire's thoughts on Winnipeg in general? She, as a lot of uh, the guests on the podcast do, talked about how special the collaboration is in Winnipeg. And, you know, other organizations help each other out. And yeah, you would think that they're kind of you know, battling for tourist d bucks. But at the same time, they really collaborate. And Claire was very thankful for that. That's the most amazing thing I think about Winnipeg is that, that you know, while we may all have slightly different mandates, um, you know, Travel Manitoba, Tourism Winnipeg, um, all of the different organizations like Frontiers North and O-Tours and we all know each other. And, you know, this, this especially the tourism industry, but even working with officials, uh, government officials, um, there's a collaboration here that I'm, I think other cities would be envious of. Uh, yeah, we don't always uh, all agree. And sometimes w there's processes um, that maybe, you know, one doesn't appreciate. But we really all try. And we can, we can all agree that we are trying to make our city better. Now, at the end of each Because and Effect podcast, you have the segment called Just Because, where you ask the same seven questions to every guest. What were some of the highlights from Just Because when you asked the questions to Claire Mackay? So there's a bunch of different questions like what what's the first cause you remember caring about? Um, what do you want to be remembered for? And one of my favorite questions is, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? So many uh, of our guests have had awesome answers that really kind of inspire you. And I loved Claire's answer to uh, what's the best advice you've ever been given. The best piece of advice I think I've ever been given is to just be yourself um, and to appreciate that you're not the same as everybody else. Um, and it was one of the things that I've said to my own kids is, um, you know, if you're weird, that's actually pretty cool. So accepting and just being yourself um, and understanding that everybody has things that they bring to the table and what you bring to the table is different than the next person, but it's just as valid. 
Thank you so much, Nolan, for being on the show today. Becauseandeffect.org is where you can hear the conversation with Claire Mackay or the other 19 episodes that are uh, in the Because and Effect lineup. So again, becauseandeffect.org. And you can also subscribe to the podcast with new episodes coming out every Tuesday. Thanks so much again, Nolan, for speaking with me. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and a big thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. If you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg impact makers, please give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360, or email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. On behalf of my co-host Sonny Primolo, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>